positive feedback loop. Hi, welcome to Positive Feedback Loop. This is the show where we talk about things that we find interesting and disagree in a friendly fashion. Now, to talk about these things in the most friendly of fashions are my friends, Ray. Hello, everyone. And Stephanie. Hi, great to be here yet again, another week. Today's topic is, as you may have surmised from my intro, friendship. Now, we all know friendship's magic, but does that magic last? So we're going to talk about the way that people go on with their lives as they move through different stages of their development and what happens to friendships along the way well just want to chime in here now Luis. and you mentioned you know do friendships last well really i would imagine you'd have to break that down into like relationships right because you can have a relationship with someone that over time was a friendship was an acquaintanceship could have been a partnership for something so but it's always a type of relationship so maybe are we talking about relationships here, or are we only talking about friendships? I would say that we're trying to focus down on the relationships that become friendships, and then what happens to those friendships. They can evolve out of being friendship, absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of people who have started out being friends and then became lovers, just like there are plenty of people who started out becoming even lovers and then becoming friends. You know that it's yeah, it's and a enemies to friends and friends to enemies and yeah, and frenemies. friends to frenemies and frenemies <laughs> to menemies and who? What's a menemy? No one knows. No, I just it up. But you'll know enemy. after this episode is over, though. That's yeah. that's a little uh, yeah. Portmanteaus are a thing now. Something you said at the very beginning, Luis, that interests me. You said, "Do friendships last?" There's a saying: "Once a friend, a friend forever." But there are those friendships that don't go on forever there's plenty that don't right in fact i would argue that most don't in in the long term most friendships don't really quote unquote last because we can talk about be a friend being someone who you consider a friend and you've bucketed them in your life as quote unquote friend but are they in truth a friend if you never see them never talk to them and maybe run into them 20 years from now and then you're like, oh, hey, buddy, how's it going? Like, is that really friendship or is that just acquaintanceship at that I, point? I also wonder, I mean, a lot of people say the phrases you're saying depending on how much they adore the person. So it doesn't, it's almost like friendship to some people doesn't even matter how deep the relationship is. That friendship oh, is, oh, that's my good friend so-and-so who's famous. Or... Oh, yeah, I know that guy, but we're not friends just because you don't like him or he's not yeah. real liked in general. So is friendship just kind of a tag to let others know how we feel about others, not actually a tag defining the depth of the relationship? I like how you mentioned it's sort of like a tag. It's, and also to talk about what you said, Luis, the people who were my friends, all of them have lasted because every friend I've added on Facebook, let's say, is still a friend on Facebook. So I think that's something that is different that we're seeing um, in the way that new human beings are being brought up. So like they're, they're, when they're born instantly, the word friendship has a definition in a way in the social aspect of things. So, but how, when I grew up, friendship was much different. Friendship was the guy that would let you use his bicycle to like go down the street and pick something up because he trusted you. Or the fireworks factory. 
or the fireworks factory. But that's <laughs> that's season one, and I think our listeners would just have to listen to the fireworks episode to learn more about that. The, the point being, I think the whole idea of friendship evolved over time. I want to know how you guys think of friendship within your the past 20, 30 years, this generation. Ray, I have a question for you. Have yeah. you have you or anybody you know done this like uh, this Facebook friend purging? Where people audit their Facebook friend lists and like clean them out. It's almost like people are now in this generation. I guess I'm answering your question. You know, how do people see friendship in the last 20 years? I wonder if people are starting to see friends as this ownership. Like they go to Goodwill and take a bag of these old friends they don't need anymore or they don't know as well. I mean, it's. I don't think it's ownership. I think each individual is themselves and they own themselves and rather the different friends you have are just like part of your network. So they're just, you know, people that you have a, a line with, you have a connection, you have a relationship with them. I guess if you think about database management stuff, there's different types of relationships you can form be, be, between two different entities, right? So I'm an entity, another person I've met once is an entity and the line that's drawn between us is very different than the line that's drawn between other people. So what we do when we say friends is there's a line. We don't know what the line looks like, but there's a line. Um, that's how it is done now. I think in like these, with these Facebook things. Yeah. Network um, theory, it's called a dyadic connection. You know, you have two nodes and you have some sort of connection. And what we're talking about in this episode is basically the connection that, that could be tagged as friendship versus something else. Like Louis said, a love relationship or a hate relationship or colleague relationship or family, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, Oh, so that's a good point. You said colleague and you said family. So now when you think about family, you don't have to be friends with your family. So it's actually, <laughs> but you could sad, but you, true. <laughs> I'm, I'm just talking technically, you know, if you have a grandfather, is he your friend? I like to think of everyone as my friend personally. It's a little bit different. Um, but and I, I use it that way. That's I use, I, frankly, uh, I don't know. I think so, but I also don't really care. It's kind of just like a, I use the term loosely. I think it's a friendly term. I can't really find any negative connotations with the word friend. There's no association well, with anything wait, negative. Ray, you're saying that a f that friendship is could be one way because you're basically saying I consider someone to be my friend even if they don't consider me to be their friend. So is it one way? I think it's kind of like that that really awkward moment when you're a kid and people are asking about who's your best friend and you got to pick your words very carefully. <laughs> Louis, who's um, your best friend, by the way? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Louis, who's your best friend? <laughs> well, th that's the thing. Like, it's it's one of those. It's a tag that you give the meaning that you want to. But I would say with friendship, over time, people have a tendency to have fewer and fewer close friends. Because everyone can have, you know, a ton of people, they of acquaintances that if you want, you can call them friends. But if you don't, if in actuality, they aren't that, I, I don't really feel comfortable calling them that. I think that words have power. And I think our use of the words, and I know I'm the worst person for this because I misuse words all the time. I just trip all over them. But I do think that words have some sort of power. If they are used in the wrong context they can have an impact on everyone around you. So you're saying and that... I like to really make sure that I'm using the word when it's what I feel it is correct. 
This, that's the same way, like, I don't use the word love unless I am certain that uh, that's the right context for it. I don't use the word friend that easily, although I'm kind of with Ray on this. I don't really care as much because I just call, I just say, like, hey, my friend, how's it going? I, I use it as a term of endearment, not as a necessarily to denote that they are a close friend. Yeah, and I think like that's a where ceremonial I have that title for a person. Yeah. yeah. I have that separation between what I consider, like, ah, everyone's kind of a friend. Versus these people are my close friends. These are the people I can see continuing to have ongoing contact with as I move on through life. And I don't see me not talking to them in a few years, right? So I think that's kind of where I'm at. I think the main point of this conversation here is to talk about those close friends more than it is about talking about the idea of just acquaintances. Okay. So I had a lot of questions, but the more, more primary one I should ask now is, Talking about close friends. And when you were younger, like you said, the close friends that you had meant a lot to you. Like they were like one or two of, you know, a hundred people that you might have known, maybe less. Like when you were, you know, that young, you did just knew like 20 or 40 or 50 people, I just assume. And you'd have a few close friends. Where are those people now for you guys? Are they with you? Are you following them? Are you um, hanging out with them? Or do you have dinner with them? Uh, well, depends how little you're talking about for me, because they're probably in Cuba. Okay, that's fair. And it makes, and it, what, makes, makes it difficult to keep in touch. But I do, I, when I go back there, I still see them. And you're certain that you'll be able to always see them? I mean, unless they like, die before me. Well, I mean, do you think that at some point they'll, you know, just go maybe move somewhere else and just form a Cuba, new no. life? What about you, Steph? <laughs> there are those friends that you have that are far away that'll always be your friends. And some of my best friends... I rarely see them, but we consider ourselves best friends. And then you have friends that you barely talk to who are near you and the silence of friendship. So it's maybe the reciprocal. There's this essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson on friendship where he says that uh, how many persons we meet in houses whom we scarcely speak to, whom yet we honor and who honor us. How many we see in street or sit with in church, whom, though silently, we warmly rejoice to be with. You know, the best friendships are those that you don't necessarily hang out all the time and talk all the time. Ralph Waldo Emerson is talking about these friends that we're, we don't hang out with, we don't talk and chat all the time with necessarily, but we do these daily rituals together and somehow that just builds the closest of friendship. Uh, so there are those friends you talk with all the time, hang out with all the time, and then there are those that even colleagues that you spend eight hours a day with that turn into really great friends sometimes because you've built a, a foundation of trust, even if it is a silent, next-door cubicle type of relationship, <laughs> or sitting in church with those who just worship the way you do. And So is friendship the idea we think of in high school where you've got your friends and you talk on the phone all the time and you go to the movies together? Can friendship be defined in another way? Well, I think part of it, friendship is, it's not a relationship where you're seeking something from the other person. It's just a relationship where you feel value giving to the other person as well. You want to be spending time with them and giving your thoughts and ideas and helping them because that makes you feel just by doing that. It makes you feel like a valuable person. Right. Yeah. I think I, I agree that, I mean, that's how I would define friends, right? It's people who you enjoy spending time with. 
even if that time is not necessarily doing an activity or you know receiving more something from them you trust them enough and you like spending enough time with them but i think th there's there's other things going on because that, that's like a best case scenario kind of i think that there's other friendships that we don't tend to acknowledge but they exist and it's like the friendships that come along with your friendships so there are friendships that you may not necessarily have gone out of your way to create but happen for whatever ha reason of happenstance maybe one of your friends has a spouse or another friend they bring in with them and they become part of your circle or they may your one of your friends may change significantly and become very different but they're still within your circle but it's no longer the same person right so then do you still retain that idea of them as a friend? And there are, and people change, that's natural in life. And even as we change, we become pickier about our people who we choose to spend time with. Because as a kid, you have almost what feels like infinite time to spend with people. As an adult, you have to plan out your lunches, which is insane to me at this point, but it's real, it's real life. You have to plan out when to spend time with your friends. And so you don't have time to be spending time with everyone. So you gotta realize, Okay, well, these are the people I really care about that are near me. That's the other part, right? Physical proximity becomes part of it that I think I, I want to be able to spend time with versus just everyone else kind of gets bumped down into the acquaintance category, I think, as we get older. I wonder if you think we have more control or less control over the time we have and the people, the friendship circles we develop. I think of parents who have children who become friends and so the parents have to get to know each other because they know that their children are spending time together. This is like, you know, parents of young children. So do we tend to have to learn how to make friends with people we wouldn't typically become friends with? I think I family is a reflection of this. I mean, yeah. You have family members you haven't you didn't choose your family. So you've learned to love each other. I would say I would agree that I think there is a strong component of having to quote unquote make friends. Friendships don't happen just out of nowhere. I think both <laughs> parties wait. involved. Sorry, I just want to interrupt. I think you said friendships don't kind of happen out of nowhere. Doesn't everything kind of happen out of nowhere? I mean, like, I mean, if you believe that life comes from maggots, I mean that I mean that just spontaneously come out of bread. I mean, sure. No, Hans I guess has a thing that you can believe in. I like to think that there's cause and effect. I mean, there is cause and effect. What I mean is a lot of who your friends become it has to do with serendipity. I mean, just the way, but you can also argue the other way. Uh, we all attended the same MBA program. So without that cause, the effect of us meeting would have never happened, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting. But, yeah. But I'm trying the, to figure out what you're going out with serendipity. But the moments that we did find each other in like the classes or whatever, and the conversations that we had in those one to two to three minute conversations sparked our interest enough to form this podcast and this friendship that we've formed. I consider a friendship. I think you guys do too. But the point is, does that, do those experiences that led up to this point, I mean, that kind of, I, I, I like to just say that was randomness a little bit. It wasn't, so maybe in that nothingness, it comes from randomness. And a lot of our friendships are that way. And that's the same way our friendships end, too. 
some friendships or don't edit or just kind of like put on pause for a while you know i randomly got you know let's say a job somewhere um in a different city and i'm moving okay well it's not like i'm not friends with people anymore i just i put a pause on it it's still in the back of my mind they're living their own lives their own universe still existing we can catch up this whole catching up thing online is relatively new. I'm very curious now. We've talked about like the generation, this generation of people and how they see friendship. How did people a hundred years ago see friendship? That's an interesting question because I think it's very different than, than it is now because we make a lot of assumptions like I can reach out to that person anytime. Back then, if your friend left the town to, to like a big city, you'll never see him again. Maybe you'll write letters. But things happen where you just, you know, life happens. People are busy. You meet new people. This is a perfect spot to stop for now. And we can okay. come back with talking about what makes friends and how do we keep them. And I think that's going to be the topic for the second half of Positive Feedback Loop. Stay with us. Is your phone constantly running low on battery? Do you find yourself constantly searching for a charger cable to keep your smartphone juice up? Well, you need the Friendship Battery, weighing in at only 300 pounds, recharging by hanging out with the people you love. It charges by absorbing the friendship energy generated while you hang out with your friends. Take the Friendship Battery anywhere with our exclusive Dolly management system. You can even cart your Friendship Battery to the movies. It's compatible with USB-C, Thunderbolt, HDMI, and multiple other cables. That's the power of friendship. Get yours today for only $9.99 from pflpodcast.com, including free shipping. PFL Podcast is not responsible or liable for any injuries that may occur while using the friendship battery. Welcome back to Positive Feedback Loop. Today's topic is friendship, and we are talking right now about how to make those friends, what it means to make friends, and how to keep them in the long run. What are some of the ways that people can, some of the things people can do to keep their friends once they move away or when things happen in life that make it difficult to keep your friendships going. Before the break, Ray was talking about how the way that we interact with friends, especially once they move away or when we move away or when life gets in the way, uh, how that changed over time. And he was asking about how it would have been 100 years ago versus today. I personally don't think there's any there's a significant difference. And I think that although we have tools now that allow us to communicate with friends, or abroad, and that's been increasing over time, right? Before before now, we had just the telephone, and before that, we had just letter writing. People found ways to keep in touch with friends. For example, in Roman times, the way that you would get a letter to your friend would be to just find someone on the street who was go happened to be going to that city. There wasn't like an organized postage system, so you would just hand them a letter and say, oh yeah, if you run and go into the city, Tell him this person sent it and it's going to this person. And then he would just hand it off when he got there to someone else. And then that person would hand it off to someone else. And eventually it would somehow make it into the hands of your friend. It was complicated. People still did it. Yeah, but how accurate would that work? <laughs> what are the I mean, odds that you'll lose as the, the guy didn't get robbed on the way or murdered or died of some terrible disease or it got lost. It would get there eventually. That wouldn't happen amongst the common people. Well, first of all, the common people might not have been able to even read or write. That being aside, that, that being put aside, that's essentially the idea that's remained the same, right? You have friends, your friends move away, you still try to keep in touch with friends. 
that's that happens. But that all goes within the limits of how much time you have and which friends you treasure spending time with most. Because I can tell you right now, leaving college was one of those periods of transition, right? Where you no longer are nearby most of your friends. And unless you have, like I have, I know way more people than I have time to keep up with. That's not to say I have way more friends than I have time to keep up with. But if I wanted to, it would take a long, a lot more of my time to be up to date with everyone. It sounds like the true test of friendship then is distance. That if you can keep a friend once distanced from them, then that must be true friendship. I think of the friends I have that have moved away. I have a friend in Utah, for example. We knew each other since seventh grade. We both moved away for college, and yet we've kept in touch all these years. Yeah, it, It's a very strong bond that we have, and we haven't lived in the same city since, you know, since we were 18. It's pretty incredible to think that you can keep in touch. And However, there are also those friends you lose touch with that you really do consider friends, and you probably still, you may have not talked to them in five years, and you still say, that's a good friend of mine. I totally agree, but having limited time and having to choose a specific amount of friends, not maybe having to, but having that limitation, is there a maximum number of friends that you can realistically and stably sustain over time? I would say we, that brings us back to the monkey sphere. I believe we talked about this on the top of the podcast, haven't we? I'm not sure, but after you talk about the monkey sphere, I want to mention the Dunbar's. That's yeah. literally Dunbar's number is the monkey sphere. The monkey sphere is simply an, another word or another term for Dunbar's number, which is basically the the idea of what the maximum limit of people you can know in a way that you understand them as being humans, as being like you, mm-hmm. right? Anyone outside of that number, and I think it's generally around 150 Yes. for humans, that's the number of people you can identify as being within your group. As in, you see them and you think, oh, this is a person with hopes, feelings, loves, cares, hatreds, all the things that make a human. And everyone outside that group is just a number. It's just there. They're they're not part of you. They're not like you. They don't love the same way. Something about them is wrong. When you say wrong, what do you mean? What I mean is that, think about the fact that humans tend to be relatively tribal in in, in a sense, right? We tend to be, to aggregate into small groups. And then have problems with everyone who's not in that group, right? We have everyone that's not in our in-group is other. And the other is different and bad and weird and we don't like it. That is the effect of not being part of the Dunbar's number group. Once you're outside of the 150, I stop being able to fathom you as a being with loves and hopes and dreams. It's a difference between seeing uh, a friend of yours get robbed and reading about someone getting robbed in the news. If a friend of yours gets robbed, that's a human being you care about. Someone you love just got things taken away from them. Their privacy was invaded. Whereas if you see someone on the news, oh, well, that happened. Maybe you're a little concerned for them, or maybe you're thinking, oh, the area is now less safe. But you're not really, some people are, but generally you you just wave it away and you don't really think about the impact that has on the person, what the people involved really feel, because they're not part of that number. Um, and that, that's what Ray was referencing, the Dunbar's number. And just to add some uh, detail into it, it was first proposed in the 1990s by British anthropologist Robin Dunbar, who and he found a correlation between primate brain size and average social group size. So by using the average human brain size and extrapolating those results uh, from primates, he proposed that you know humans can comfortably 
only maintain 150 stable relationships. Now, that's to note that this, these are not stable friendships. These are stable relationships, which includes family, love, and everything that goes into it. Just even acquaintances fall into that. But the, the thing is that as we get older, we tend to have fewer friends. And the reason for this are many. And coming from the perspective of... Close friends. I think that when you get older... No, well, no, you tend to have... You, have is you tend to focus more on your close friends. As you get older, the people who are not your close friends start kind of like falling off because you become more emotionally aware of your needs and you value, you really treasure the time that you spend with people you actually really care about. Well, I think so, even Dunbar says, you know, you have a maybe a, a group of friends that are 150 or 148 point whatever. Yeah. But that your closest friends that you depend on gets down to about 15 and even the most intimate to five. So it's actually, you know, there are these, these circles, these spheres of friendship levels of friendship that we have and we just can't support that many people there was this professor at berkeley actually morton hansen that i was just reading about and he talks about social networking how people try to push the limits of the dunbar number with twitter and facebook like oh well i can maintain more people or i can stay in touch with more people and they found that even with social networking even if you have a thousand friends on facebook that you still can only really maintain 150. So even technology has not helped our social ability to manage more than about 150 good friendships. I think the point here is that these are something inherent to being human. This ability to see people this way is inherent to being human. The same way that part of being human is being able to uh, see the world a certain way and interact with it a certain way. It also goes into how we see people and interact with them. And when talking about this, this is not something that tech can solve, at least in the short... I, I can't see a solution to this in the short term from the side of technology. I think what technology does, it makes it easier to keep those good friendships by giving us tools to keep them alive as we go through life. So, for example, you might have friends, and maybe you you and your friends are big gamers. Back in the day, if you wanted to play a game together, I don't know, you'd have to travel across the country and hopefully run into each other at a good time in your lives that you could sit down and play a game on the on your table. Now, you can do that from anywhere in the world so long as your time zones sync. So long as your time sync up in terms of time zones, etc. You can, you can play basically anything from anywhere. And there are games like even Tabletop Simulator, which allow people to play tabletop games anywhere in the world at their own leisure. And to a relatively good degree of mimicking things like tabletop games. And the same applies for just chatting. You can now see each other on video. You don't have to. You can now talk about the ways that you've changed your looks and things like that. You can look, see your family from each from the other end. There's a lot more ways you can interact with people. You can see a movie together on Netflix. There's th there's ways you can do watch parties where there's apps you can add uh, to your Chrome that allow you to basically sync up your Netflixes so that you see the same movie as the same time, and so then you can like talk about it as you're watching it. There are more tools to keep your friendships going. But the main ultimate thing that it boils down to is, do you want to keep that relationship going? And does the other person want to do as well? And if you do both want, the tools are there to do it. What's the cost of con continuing the relationship? I don't understand why that would be a negative thing in the first place. Why have it end at all, ever? Because you need time to keep it alive. Well, the time can just decrease. You can like not talk to someone for a year or five years. If someone came up to me that I haven't spoken to, 
or gave me a, a message or a call five years, 10 years ago that I haven't spoken to, I'm not going to like be like, oh, no, sorry, we can't talk. We ended that friendship about five years ago. So I'm not going to like decline their invitation to talk. I think I would welcome that no matter how far away, even if it was 20 years prior that we haven't spoken. There's no reason for me to under I don't understand why you have to make that decision together. Oh, sorry. Should we continue to be friends? I don't think there's a stop and an end to friendship. I think there's an atrophy that happens. So you are willing to talk with them. You remain at the very edge of friendship, which is we acknowledge each other's existence. We're civil. And we, we have a level of information or trust that we share when we see each other. That, but isn't that, that an acquaintance? Engage, right? It's an acquaintance. It's maybe a little more than an acquaintance because you were you were good friends before. So maybe I there's a it's... level right above acquaintance where you can re-engage. But that you might not trust them with something deeper if you've let the relationship atrophy. And you know, marriage is a type of friendship in a way that experiences this, where people don't work on their marriages. They think that just by being together or living together, that somehow that relationship will keep going. You have to maintain it. And I think friendships are the same way. There's an atrophy that can happen over time if you don't put work into a friendship. So I, maybe I would posit that friendships aren't just kind of these sociological networks that form because we just happen to go to school together or have the same beliefs or interests or whatever it is, but that there's some level of hard work, maintenance, attention that we put into it. Yeah. Yeah. And with that hard work, there's many times in a friendship where you're accommodating your friend for something that you may not believe in or want to do for the friend. But then there's also rewarding times where they do the same thing for you. So I think a good friendship is where you continuously have that kind of relationship and it's always getting balanced out in a way too. If I'm in a relationship with someone, a friendship, but they're constantly, let's say, taking advantage of me, you know, over time that will definitely probably atrophy unless I'm just ignorant of the fact or I like it. It depends. You know, it's, it, that's a different story. Generally speaking, there is a balance. You have to enjoy your friendship, otherwise there's no incentive. I think enjoying it is a big part of it. That's got to be fun. You make memories that are unique, very unique and novel, like they're original experiences you make with new friends. I think that's why we have so many types of events and activities in our in our world. Like we can go, you know, on a hot air balloon. That's an event that could take place, and then you form a friendship with someone on a hot air balloon. It's, not going to go away because you don't have many experiences in a hot air balloon. If you're a hot air balloon, you know, mechanic or something or some kind of enthusiast, then like the, you know, it won't matter as much, but taking vacations, these things form relationships. Can it ever be a perfect balance though of give and take? There's always going to be someone giving more or someone taking more just because it's human relationship, right? Not, not many people are taking things on a strict ledger where like every single action that you take is yeah. noted with a plus one or plus minus one or right. Yeah, exactly. So it's there's just, some uh, sort of balance that you just feel. You feel it's okay. You like. You're okay with the balance. You're both okay with that balance. It's funny because I had a close friend of mine tell me that marriage or I think friendship also relates is like a Venn diagram, and there's no rule to how much the two circles of the Venn diagram have to overlap. There's no rule for that. It's just that for it to be maintained, you both have to agree on how much it should overlap. Well, also, it's very dynamic, so I think it might overlap 
differently in different times and it'll shift. Yeah. And, you know, because you as have like another. As long as you both agree, you're both okay with how it, that Venn diagram yeah. looks. But the way you agree is you just maintain the friendship. It's not like you have an agreement where you say, okay, well, we yeah, agree. Well, yeah, you don't draw it out. <laughs> well, here's, here's the ultimate thing, right? You have to maintain the friendship. Yes, you can let it atrophy and then eventually in like 20 years see each other and be like, hey, buddy, how's it going? And like, that's nice. But rarely does that, I mean, it can, but rarely does that lead to them being reintegrated back into your life in the same way they used to be. That can happen, but it doesn't always without some level of maintenance being put in there. It's well, more likely that you'll see them again and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? How's the family? How's life? And then like they'll go away and. It depends. If you've had like these hardcore kind of experiences with other people are like you've been friends with them for a long time, then you go away for like 10 years, you never see them and you see them again in 10 years. You can instantly feel that connection right away and it'll be like you've never left them. But the question here is not so much about can they be brought back in because, yeah, with effort, anyone can be. It's do you want them to? Because at that point, you have now moved in your life many, many degrees further than you originally were. I mean, that when you were originally met them, right? You're maybe you're married now. Maybe you've, you've got like, you've gone through three different jobs. You have kids, you know, they, all these things have happened and you're a very different person and you don't have time to really maintain a fresh friendship. These things take effort. And maybe you feel like, oh, it's great that I saw them. This is something I can, I can now know a little bit more about how their lives have turned, but and maybe I'll ask them to dinner once, but I'm not going out of my way to really reestablish a friendship here because I just can't. I wonder if technology, however, can help make it more efficient to maintain friendships. I guess we were trying to, with like, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all these things. But still, as I agree with you, Luis. It hasn't changed that much, like the real... The friendship. underlying idea. Yeah, yeah, the underlying, I agree. And with that underlying idea, I think that today we've talked about friendship, what makes it, what keeps it going... Who are our friends and how do we keep going after they are no longer our friends, maybe? Do we bring them back? I hope you've learned a little bit today because we certainly have. Thank you, Stib, for talking with us. This has been Positive Feedback Loop. Stay crazy. Stay crazy. Stay crazy, friends.